everything this morning, just the worship, the words, the focus on mission, healings, the supernatural, everything. I love the thread of the Holy Spirit. And I just really want to honor this house. I know it's Revive. I'm sorry if I call it New Life. It was New Life when I left. I'm sorry, it's Revive Church. And this has been my church for 32 years. I grew up in this church. And it, it, I'm just close to tears because that DNA from 1981 was installed into me as a child when I was JJ's age. And it was weird sometimes. And it was at the time where women still wore gloves and hats. And it was just strange growing up in a Pentecostal church. But it, it was a privilege to be raised in a church where we expect the supernatural to happen. So I want to honor Jared and Vicky, David and Marion. I think they're away. And I just want to share... Being a woman in full-time ministry is really, really hard. And Marion has been a constant support to me. She just said when I first went out in 2004, just be yourself. Ordinary people doing great things for God. Just be who you are. Do you know, wear normal clothes. Don't dress like a missionary. Be who God created you to be. And, and, and as Jared said, I, I did spend seven years in Honduras. Um, I miss it every day. It's a place that the Lord called me to in 1997. And there's many, many new faces here today. And I, I just want to give a little overview of, of what the Lord has shared and deposited in me. Because the vision remains the same. The Lord called me to Honduras. I was working in, in, in Cottingham as a midwife, just happy and doing my career. And I, I had the first encounter with God that I ever had. And it wasn't just a Holy Spirit goosebump moment. It was an encounter with the living God. And he spoke to me and gave me Jeremiah 23, verses 3 to 5. I will place shepherds over my people to care for them and to protect them. So none of them will be afraid, nor lacking, I, the Lord, have spoken. And it just wrecked my world. What do you do when one scripture interrupts your world? And I said, okay, what does this mean? And, and he said, Honduras, women, orphans, justice. And, and I went out there and, and it, I, it took seven years of prayer for me to get there. And I went to Bible school and language school and finished my university. And then finally, after seven years of prayer, I, I went and I served the people and I got hijacked by God. I thought I was going to go to do medical missions. And the, the Lord soon revealed his heart to me was, was for the orphans, for the destitute, for those who, who lived on the streets and through a long series of events, way too lengthy to talk about, the Lord led me to a little boy in an orphanage who was not so little now. He's nearly as tall as me. And through JJ's life, through Joshua's life, the Lord called me to pray and intercede and to know his heart in a way that just, it just opened a new facet of who God is. And I had to write some some white papers for the government with some help. I wasn't legal, legally allowed to adopt Joshua. A three-year event of waiting and even the president of Honduras was instrumental in Joshua's adoption. But through a series of prayer and fasting and God's favor, um, in 2000 and 
nine, Joshua was legally adopted. And it's just from that place of seeing what needs to be done in the lives of children through prayer, through fasting, and then through the promise that the Lord will never leave his children. In fact, he says he leaves the 99 to go after the lost. So I've got um, quite a lot to go through this morning. Um, I'm currently deep breath, based in Kansas City um, with the International House of Prayer. And from the International House of Prayer, that's 24-7 prayer and worship. It's phenomenal. I personally, when I first went, I thought 24 hours of prayer, do they never let you sleep? I thought you had to do it all the time. But it's from a place of worship and prayer, justice and missions is done. And just as we, we, I had to leave Honduras, Joshua and I had to flee for really high security levels. Our work had just become too dangerous and we had to just flee and, and come home. So that's why I'm based in Kansas City. I have to put the safety of my son first. It has to be God, my family, and then, and then the missions. So being placed in Kansas City, that allows me to be geographically closer to the Latin American countries that I'm, I'm called to. But what an honor to be in a place of 24 hours of, of uh, worship and prayer. So um, I just want to back up. Um, a little bit. When I first went to Kansas City, I I went initially for a six-month internship. All hell had broken loose in 2010-11. I'd come under personal attack, just an onslaught from the enemy, just attack after attack after attack. And um, I really felt in my place of convalescing spiritually, what people say to me, how can you believe God when you've gone through what you've gone through? And I think that is a great question. Why does really horrific things happen to people who are just serving the Lord? And it's something that I wrestled with in in my own personal life. So when I went to IHOP, I had my internship was like 40 hours a week. I had nothing else to do. Kansas City, Missouri is in the middle of nowhere. It's not an actual pleasant state. And there's a reason why the Lord has placed a house of prayer in Missouri, because there's nothing else to do but pray. And um, I just really felt the Lord just talk to me about his father's heart. And he said to me, do you know me as Abba, Father? I thought, what a weird question. Do you know me as Abba, Daddy in Hebrew? And I'd known him as God Almighty, the one who saved us from, from gunmen and, and, you know, God the protector, God the defender. But did I know him as Abba Father? And I, I threw a series of events. Um, the Orphan Justice Centre is one of the 80 missions outreaches that stems from the House of Prayer. And we're all missionaries, we're all volunteers, we're all self-funded, we raise our own funds. And I was asked by the leadership to come and speak and just share my testimony. And after my testimony, Renee, who is the founder of the Orphan Justice Centre, she said to me, will you come and be on staff? And I said, I think so. Let me pray about it and I want to ask the Lord. And she said, what you've been through and what you carry, this is what we do at the Orphan Justice Centre. So I did, and I for six months, I just prayed and thought, Lord, if you want me here, you know, you're going to have to make a way. 
and, and he did, and we're hoping to get our visas next month so we can go back. My heart is still for the Latin American countries, Costa Rica, Honduras, Nicaragua, all the Central American countries. And interestingly, there's houses of prayer all over the world now. There's not one in Central America. And I really believe that the battle is so fierce what we've got to do, that we, the only way we're going to get justice and breakthrough is through prayer. I just, I'm going to show you a, a video in a minute, but I just want to um, read a scripture really quickly, if I can find it in my Bible. Okay. It's a scripture that you all know, and it's, it's something that the Lord has laid on my heart for years and years. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit and care for the widows and orphans in their affliction and distress and to keep oneself unstained from the wild. And I just, it's a scripture that we know, but to walk with God and to know God is to know his heart. And when we walk in intimacy and we get to know what's really, really important to him, widows and orphans are the closest to God's heart. They're the first in his kingdom. So if we could just play the video right now, um, I'll sit down and we'll carry on in a little bit. This video is what we train our staff with. You see, there is a caste system in heaven, but it's exactly backwards from the caste system this world naturally creates. This world applauds and esteems the wealthy and the powerful and the privileged and the talented. That's not how God's system works. Jesus came and he proved it. He took the lowest spot and he was God. The bigger you get in the kingdom of heaven, the lower position you take. The special ones in God's kingdom are the weak ones. The ones who can't fight for themselves. The ones that can't speak for themselves. The ones that don't have someone to feed them. The ones that don't have someone to protect them. And Jesus says those are the prized ones. And you treat them as the royalty here on earth. And the way you treat them is ultimately the way you're treating me. What you do under the least of these is how you're ultimately treating your God. Christianity is taking what has been purchased by the cross, the behavior of heaven, nature of Jesus Christ, and transplanting it into the heart of men and women down here on earth so that they behave not like this world, but like heaven. And so when this world sees them, they're different. There is something odd about them. They are from another realm. What does it look like? It's noble. It's brave. It's courageous. It's selfless. It is willing to spend itself for the weak. I was doing some study on Liberia. If you want to be disturbed, start studying Liberia. This four-year-old boy who's sitting on the side of the road, no one to comfort, no one to take him in, no shelter, no food, nothing. So in the middle of that night, I wake up. And it's like God had already deposited a question. And it was waiting to meet me when I popped awake in the middle of the night, two in the morning. And I had this picture of this little boy in Liberia in front of me. And God asked me a question. What if that was Hudson, my four-year-old? Eric, well, what if that was Hudson? Uh, you don't mess with a father's heart. What if that was Hudson? If my boy 
was on the side of a road across the world from me, suffering, totally alone, not knowing what's happening. He's not old enough to comprehend this. He's abandoned. He has no one to fight for his cause, no one to give him a voice. He doesn't even know how to articulate his circumstances. He's hungry and no one's feeding him. He's starving to death. If my son is in that situation, stick a concrete wall in front of me and I claw through it with my bare hands. This is my son we're talking about. And if I couldn't get there, I would call up every friend I have. And I would say, I have a son over in Liberia. You call yourself my friend. I need you to get on a plane. And I need you to get to him. I'll give you the coordinates. I'll do whatever it takes. But I need you to get to my son and be a father to him. God's response. Eric, that's my Hudson. That is my Hudson. And he's looking to us. And he's saying, I'm calling up everyone I know. Everyone on my list that calls himself by my name, that says they're a friend of God. And I'm saying, my son is over in Liberia. Are you willing to get on the plane and get to him? We have a cause. But we don't want to see it. And it's when we finally acknowledge the fact that something is wrong with us, not with the world out there. If we start with this little group here and we say, God, you need to fix this. I suffer from depraved indifference. And so do you. Oh, we care. It's not that that doesn't move us at some level to hear about this little child over in Liberia. We care, but we can go home tonight and sleep just fine. How is that? It's because there's an indifference to that life. And it's naturally born within us that that life isn't affecting us. It's not in our backyard. We're not related to it. It's someone else's issue. In fact, we start quoting scriptures about God being a father to the fatherless. We're like, thank you, God, that you're a father to that child. He says, uh, remember, you call yourself my body. I'm not there, except through you. Your hands, Eric, those are my hands. Your feet, those are my feet. That heart, that's my heart. And if it's not beating, my heart's not beating on this earth anymore. I work through my body. I'm a father to the fatherless through my body. I rescue the weak and the vulnerable through you. And if you're not doing it, no one is. There is a solution for our disease, which is known as sin, and it's Jesus Christ. There's a solution for these dying children, and it's Jesus Christ. It might sound overly simplistic, but that's it. That is the solution, because Jesus Christ will change a man like Eric Ludi into a man that feels what Jesus Christ is feeling. And he cannot stay in suburbia, USA anymore and do nothing. Heroes are made because they are moved. Not in their head, but in their heart. You have to be moved at such a level where you will shed blood. Jesus Christ was moved. For God so loved the world that he gave. And that son that was given suffered and died. For what? For the cause that is being laid before us tonight. It wasn't head knowledge about the disaster taking place in this world. It was life abandonment unto the cause of those that are dying, unto the eternal souls that are around us. Do we care? 
at the level God cares? Do we carry a burden when we go home tonight? Will we grieve over the fact that those children are God's children? And He is longing for an advocate to stand up and say, I'm willing, God, to fight for what is yours. I'm willing, God, burden me. When Jesus was in Gethsemane, you know what He was there for? He was there for life. He was burdened with the weight of it all for life. And he was willing to sweat great droplets of blood. Are we? For our king and his glory, we will rescue these little ones. I've seen that clip about 20 times. It's a, a video that we use when we, when we go to different churches and missions organizations in the USA, and it never fails to just wreck my heart. And there's so much I could say about this, but my prayer is simply this. Many churches in the USA and globally are praying for revival but they're not actually loving and caring for the tender, vulnerable ones right now. And people watch this, and I, I had one lady say, I'm, I'm offended by that, and I'm, I'm sorry. God's offended that every 16 seconds, one of his children dies globally. There's 143 million orphans globally, 6 billion population and the ratio to end the orphan pandemic is for one out of every 14 churches, not 14 Christians, one out of every 14 churches globally to adopt one child, and there would be no more orphans. And that is just a staggering statistic. And I really, really believe there's an urgency. I mean, I've been back in the UK three weeks. I, I've wept at the news. Tunisia, the chaos. I've sat there and thought, Lord, what is going on in your world? What is happening? And I felt him whisper in my heart, stewardship. I'm like, excuse me, stewardship. The first real command in the Garden of Eden was to steward what had been given to Adam and Eve well. Ultimately, that is our simple job, to steward well that which the Lord has given us, be it a family, be it a spouse, be it a church, a missions, whatever the Lord entrusts us with, we have to steward it with the Father heart of God. And this is something that I'm still on this journey. I'm still praying. I don't think I'm there that yet. I, I've, he, the Lord has opened this characteristic of his heart as Abba Father. But I really believe that this church is going to be an example of the living power of the Father heart of God. Hull, I, I was talking with my board and, 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 and the intercessors who have faithfully stood with me for 10 years praying historically Hull lost many men through the fishing industry. Many children was raised without a father. 
there's an orphan spirit attached to this city that I believe needs to be won back. And it's won back in the houses of God. It's won back through love. And, and when you watch this, and not everybody's called to adopt. I get that. But everybody can pray and give and support. Be the wraparound family. JJ goes to the Dixons and wrestles with Rich Dixon for two hours. Do you know, it's Bill and Edie taking for fish and chips. Be the ones who fill in the void. And, and I just encourage you, do you know, those, there's going to be a great movement when crisis continues and the lost and the broken come in. We're going to have to be ready. Are we ready to love the vulnerable, the broken, the fatherless? And I don't just mean legally displaced children who, 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 are, who are currently orphaned. You can have an earthly daddy but still have an orphan spirit. If you don't know God as Abba Father, and, and for time's sake, I, I read a book three years ago called Orphan Slave Son by Pastor Ben Paisley. Look it up in your own leisure, Orphan Slave Son. And he said how you know the Lord personally will determine in your spiritual life how you walk, how you pray, and how you live. Do you walk with an orphan spirit, expecting nothing, down on your luck? Or do you walk striving, busy, always doing things, trying to find favour with man and God by being a Martha? Or do you know him as Abba? Are you an heir? Heirs rest in their daddy. Heirs rest because they trust him and they know him. And, and I really encourage you as, as, as this church who loves children, who is anointed for children, who is going to be equipped to do more and more the outreach in this community for children. And, and I just, I, I encourage you when you see the single mums, you know, I didn't plan on being a single mum. You know, it's one of the hardest things in the world to be in full-time missions and female and a single mum is really hard. And every year, um, as part of my leadership feedback, because Americans are more confrontational than us Brits, we get something called 360-degree feedback, where the people who have served get to vote and give us their feedback. And my feedback, I'm being really honest, was I need to ask for help more. I need to ask help. What God has called me to do is too big. That's why we need an army. That's why we need prayer warriors. I know this house is touched by prayer. I know there's a group coming to Kansas City really soon to see the house of prayer. And I'm just so thankful that that's going to happen and, and, and take place. But more than anything today, I want you to take away in fact, let's go there because it's too important not to read fully. Um, Psalm 68, 5. Psalm 68, verse 5 to 6. Father of the fatherless and defender of the widows is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He's a father. 
And I find it really interesting that the Lord says, my house will become a house of prayer, not my temple, my house. God dwells where family is. His heart is the father heart of God. And I really believe he's calling his end time church to steward and lead with the father heart of God. For 15 years, I've been working with women and children from a professional level, as a midwife, as a missionary, and as a mother. And there's a single common denominator through the whole slew of these problems. It's, it's men. Satan is attacking men in society. And in the absence of godly men being the humble, lion-like but lamb-like leaders of families, society is suffering and it's the women and the children, it's the weak, it's the widows and the orphans. God didn't design society in the absence of godly men. It doesn't matter if we're here in Hull, in Honduras, in Kansas City, we had riots in Missouri, in Ferguson. And I look at these children, where are the fathers? And, and, and I sit there and, and I just weep. Where are the godly men? And someone said to me, Americans, what do you need? I'll give you anything that you need. What do you need to go, to go on the mission field? I said, sir, honestly, we don't need another orphanage. Orphanages are not the solution. They're the short-term solution to get them in off the streets and then we need to raise up families for them. There's a slew of evidence to say that institutions but basically put, orphanages produce orphans, families produce heirs. This is the father heart of God. And the church keeps building them. And I, and I don't want to be inflammatory, but I, I want to say, talk to the children who was raised in orphanages. Listen to them. And ask yourself, would you leave your own children in an orphanage that you support? You just, I lived in one, I, I ran one, I, I, I worked 90 hours a week for two years and I sat one, one day with little Aura, a little girl in my arms and she, she was crying and crying and I'm like, what's wrong? Kitty Pasa, what's wrong? And she said, I, I, I want that girl, I want that missionary girl who, who was with me for, for three months and she was crying and crying and I said to the Lord, They've got everything they need. They've got bathrooms and clothes and books and they're learning English and they're singing hymns. And, he, and I, I really heard the tangible voice of the Lord and he said, Leone, you don't manage my children. You love them. And it is not God's best for children to be raised by employers. They need parents. And, and somebody said to me, well, that's too idealistic. How do you do that? Well, they're doing it in Rwanda. They're building adoption villages. And James 1.27, that's the answer. Put the widow with the orphan. You give an orphan a mother and you give an outcast widow a home. And if it was a business, it's, it's cost effective. It's more cost effective, 25 quid a month to build a house for a widow and a child than it is to institutionalize a child for 18 years. And then what? Where do they go after 18 years? When do we stop needing our parents? I'm 40. I still need the input of my parents. I need their wise counsel. So I'm sharing all this because I want to, a twofold thing. I want your prayers to be, Abba Father, let me know your Father heart. And also to get ready. 
ready for when, sadly, catastrophe in the earth will continue. It's part of the end time plan, but it's His mercy. And Jesus will bring the fatherless and the lost, the weak, the brokenhearted. 2010 and 11, I kind of fit every category, but I felt the Lord say, I let you go through that because then you know. And Scripture says that God tests the righteous, but the wicked He leaves alone. And the last thing we need is for God to leave us alone. So just in closing, and I do pray that you will ask the Lord, how can I be involved? What is my role? If I can't adopt, what do you want me to do for the least of yours? And please remember us in your prayers. I don't want out of sight to be out of mind. And I know it's difficult when we're away and we only come home once a year. But I get to share this in many organizations and in many churches. And I actually work in the hood, which is the projects, the inner city. And I get to speak Spanish and be with my Hispanic people. I would say 80% of them have never known their earthly daddy, but they can know the heavenly father. And if my job is to just love them and point them back to Jesus, some of them are so broken, I don't even know what to do with them. One of the ladies who we rescued from trafficking, she would only sleep on a table because she could grip her hands over the edge. She was so terrified that somebody would wake her in the evening to do the inevitable that we don't have to talk about. You can guess. What do you do when you can't love somebody better? What do you do when there's not a program, there's not an academic counseling course? that can heal somebody whose soul, their mind, their emotions, their body, is that broken through years of abuse, what do you do? And this is something I've been asking the Lord. And He led me to Psalm 23. He restores the soul. It's only the Lord who can mend them. So I just, in closing, thank you for those who faithfully give and support Joshua and I but there's so much more to be done, so much more. Every 16 seconds, a child dies and the majority of the children aging out of the foster care system in Europe, in America, in Latin America are those without parents. They become easy prey for human trafficking. Sadly, we will never stop human trafficking until the Lord Himself returns, but we can make the gap smaller and smaller. We can do grassroots up, love that title for the missions in Romania, grassroots, God bless those people. But what we have to do is we can remove the supply and demand by caring for the children now. So I just highlight in your Bible, every scripture pertaining to the Father heart of God. I think there's about 50 times it says Abba. Highlight where it talks about the widow and the orphan. And just take a moment and ask him, how can I help yours, the first in the kingdom?